want us to begin today, we're going to be looking at a couple of different passages, but we're going to be asking ourselves this question as we focus on Christ, and the question is this, why did Jesus come? So why did Jesus come? Several years ago, when my wife and I moved back to Green Bay, our oldest was having a birthday. And so we decided to throw a a birthday party, and wanting to make a good impression on the new family here at Highland Crest, we decided to have an extensive invitation list. So virtually anyone that was in Abe's class and their family were invited to the birthday party in the middle of February at our home. And on that particular day, the house was bouncing. The basement had Nerf darts shooting from one side of the area to the other side. And if you were to go to the upstairs where the boys' bedrooms were, there was all sorts of toy soldiers and tanks that were being deployed against one another. And then on the main level, there was moms and dads feasting on some cheap pizza, catching up on one another's week, and, and an occasional outburst of laughter would just go through the home. If you were to look, and I remember on one occasion with all of this activity, with the driveway loaded with vehicles, cars streamed up along the double uh, F of which we live, as you, as you looked on the couch, there was our young boy, maybe five or six years old at that time, Abe, and he was just oblivious to what was going on. He th- I think he had a little figurine or a little car in his hand, and he was just shooting across the couch. If the UPS driver or FedEx driver would have come and just said, excuse me, could you tell me what's going on here? And asked, well, there's a birthday party. Well, well whose birthday is it? I have no idea, but there's a, there's a birthday party going on at this moment because it would seem as if the very guest of honor was just there on the couch all by himself entertaining himself. I've thought about Christmas, that there may be all sorts of parties and gatherings, and someone could come in and say, what, what is this all about? Well, there's a party going on here. Well, well, who is the guest of honor? Well, there's a party going on here. <laughs> and we can lose sight of whose day this really is. So what we've been doing is we've been focusing on this month of just keying in on the characters of Christmas. And as we've worked through that series, we've highlighted the names that have come of Jesus. He's Christ. He's Savior, He's Lord, He's Emmanuel, He's the Son of the Most High, He's Holy, He is the Son of God. And as we've worked through each of these stories, we've seen some reactions. Some of these reactions have been worship, like angels and shepherds and wise men. Some have been more indifferent, say the chief priests and scribes. And then there's like Herod, who's like, I know who this is and I want to take him out. Let's kill him. Why don't we pause this morning and just take a few minutes and just reflect on this Jesus. And why did Jesus come? 
I've got three, three simple answers that I want to provide for us. Uh, there's the birthday. First thing we see here is Jesus was sent. Would you take your Bible and turn with me to John 6, verse 38? I'm including this verse in your outline or on the screen behind me. Listen to what Jesus says about why he came. He said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, there's probably been times in your life where you've visited with someone and you're talking and you've asked yourself, where are you from? Maybe they talk funny. Maybe the way they are acting is, is not in step with how everyone acts in our area. And you pause and you say, where are you from? Well, if you would have asked that to Jesus, he would have said, well, I've come down from heaven. Now, that is an amazing claim. And he says, I've come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, when we consider this verse, we realize that Jesus did not come into existence at Christmas. He has always been. And you could look through the New Testament in other places, in the Old Testament as well, and you would see, say, Hebrews 7, verse 30, that Jesus had no beginning of days. In the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and all things were made through Him, and the Word became flesh. Jesus' birth is unlike any other. Not only because He was born of a virgin, but because He existed before he was born, he was sent. Philippians 2 verse 6 says, He emptied himself by taking the form of a man. That is, he gave up his status and privileges without giving up the, the deity and the divine attributes. And listen to what Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, Though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor. Well, one might ask themselves, well, what was he doing before Christmas? I think Colossians 1 verse 17 answers that, where it says he was holding all things together. Not only was Jesus central at creating everything, but he is the one who sustains everything. And he has held everything together. Now, in our country, we have something called Martin Luther King Day. It's the third Monday of January. And we have something called President's Day that commemorates George Washington's birthday in the third Monday of February. We celebrate these great men's birth. Is that what Christmas is like? No, it isn't. Christmas is much different. Christmas is not the birth of a great man. It is the day that God became man. It is Jesus' sent day. 
So this is a significant thing for us. The first thing that we answering this question, why was Jesus sent, was that he was had an opportunity to follow through with his father's plan. The second reason we see this is the reason he was sent was Jesus was sent to preach freedom. So I'm going to have you look with me on this one. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. In Luke 4, we see Jesus as an adult now, and he is beginning his public ministry. And just just to keep it brief today, in chapter 4, in verses 18 and 19, he is actually quoting from a passage in the Old Testament, from Isaiah chapter 61. And he is reading the scriptures here. In verse 18 he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set a liberty those who are oppressed. In verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then just let me skip with you towards the end of Luke chapter 4, where it says in verse 42 and 43, And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place, And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. So why is Jesus here? Why did Jesus come? He came to preach freedom. And I'm not talking about a a civil freedom, and I'm talking about a freedom from sin. Look again with me at verse 18, because in this passage, you have the five-pronged damage that sin can bring. The first thing we see is that sin robs or it impoverishes. Look what it says there in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now when we see here poor, probably our minds go to the socioeconomic status that if they are below the poverty line, these are the people that are going to be hearing Jesus' words. Certainly it could mean to the poor, to the homeless, to those that are having difficulty paying their bills. But we see this pattern in the New Testament where poor means more than that. It means those who are poor in their righteous deeds. It means poor of goodness. To those who realize that they have no righteousness on their own to be made right with God. Jesus was sent to preach the good news to them. That they could be forgiven. And that righteousness could be granted. And although they might be poor, Jesus will be their treasure. We see a second effect that sin has on people's lives, our lives. It enslaves. You see what it says there in verse 18. Proclaim the good news to the poor, but he has sent me 
to proclaim liberty to the captives. Another thing that sin does, loved ones, is it enslaves us. And we think that we can not sin, but the more we dabble in sin, the more we realize that it has a a barb like a hook does into us. And we are unable to stop sinning. So Jesus came. He was sent to to liberate us from that, to set us free. The, The third damage that sin does here in this passage is it blinds. You see it there in verse 18. Sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Now this probably also meant that there would be some people physically blind that could not see and Jesus would bring sight to them. But it also is a reference to those whose lives are a mess and they're just filled with confusion. And they go from one thing to the next. And what they truly need is the anchor of truth in their life. And Jesus is that truth. And Jesus speaks that truth. And he has come for us to be able to see how God has designed our lives. The fourth thing we see in this passage is that sin wounds, but Jesus heals. That word there in verse 18 for set liberty to those who are oppressed, the word oppressed there means to be bruised, to be broken in pieces. It's those prisoners that have been in war and they've experienced the pain of warfare. And this is what sin does. If we will dabble in it, and, and we will live in it in our lives. Loved ones, it brings ruin. But Jesus came to take those that are broken, whose lives, as it seem, as they look into the past, would see nothing but debris and shattered pieces. I got great news for you. This is why Jesus came for people that would acknowledge their lives are in ruin. The fifth and final thing we see here is it's a little more subtle. It's found in verse 19. It's while sin leads to debt. I don't necessarily refer to financial debt, but it could. Jesus has come to pay that debt. When you look at verse 19, it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the Old Testament, there was something called the year of Jubilee. For six years, the people of God could accumulate debt. Maybe there was a famine that would go through the land, and they would have to give up their, their family property in order to put food on the table. Maybe they would make miserable decisions, and they would find themselves enslaved to someone else. But on the year of Jubilee, things would go back to the way they were supposed to be. And they would get their land back. And they would no longer be a slave. They would be a freed person. And so this is the language that is used here of Jesus. You see, this is why he came. 
to preach this good news. But loved ones, friends today, you and I both know this. Talk is cheap. And Jesus is not a mere man of words, but he is a man of action. So that leads me to the third reason he came. He not only came to preach about freedom. Listen to me. He came to deliver that freedom. Jesus is not one that just is of words. He is one of action. And the reason he came is that you might experience freedom from sin. And this is the final passage that we'll look at. In Mark 10, verse 45, he said, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you think about the Creator God, if ever there were a person that was worthy of demanding service, it would be the one who created all of us, right? But once again, we see that Jesus does not take advantage of his status. Rather, the Creator is the servant. And he has come to serve. Why did he come? He came to serve. In what way did he come to serve? As it says there in Mark 10, verse 45, he gave his life as a ransom. This word ransom, it was one that was used in the Old Testament to speak of a price that was paid to get slaves or prisoners of war back. It speaks of how gruesome and how harsh the effects of sin is. And if we're going to be delivered from it, that a ransom must be paid. Someone said this, Sin costs a life. And God provided that life through Jesus. We've been spending all month long asking ourselves, what's all this about? Why do we have our lights decorated? Why why set aside a whole series of messages for Christmas? Let us not miss the point of the party. Jesus has come, not only to proclaim the good news that you could be freed from your sins, but he has personally delivered it through his death, and resurrection on the cross. He has come to make it known. He has come to make it available to you. This past week or two, I've been listening to a a biography of C.S. Lewis. He had a dear friend named J.R. Tolkien. Perhaps you know these two guys. Uh, Children, if you're familiar with the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and and the stories of Narnia, that's C.S. Lewis. That's the man on the right. And perhaps you've heard of J.R. Tolkien, if you know the the stories of The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring. That's the man on the left. Now, when they were young, in their 30s, they taught at Oxford College. And there was a group of these men, these brilliant men, that would gather and and smoke their cigars and, and drink tea. And they would talk about the various works that they were on, and they would talk about life. J.R. Tolkien, the man on the left, the one of the hobbit, was a, was a believer. He understood why Jesus had come. 
And one night, two in the morning, these two men left the place of which they were at and they went for a walk. And as I was listening to this biography by Derek Bingham, he he said that C.S. Lewis said, I understand who Jesus is. I understand what he has done. I even understand what his claims are. But what does that have to do with me? And maybe you're asking yourself that question this morning. I've heard this story my whole life. But what does it have to do with me? Well, like a present, like any sort of good news, it might not have nothing to do with you unless you apply it to your life. Yesterday, Melody and the boys went to a uh, I'll call it a client of our 12-year-olds, one that he has mowed the lawns for the last couple of summers, and they delivered some cookies to them and invited them to the Christmas Eve service last night and had a brief little talk. And then she went back home and with the boys, and we were settled in our home, and she got a text from this client. And uh, he said, hey, I really want to thank you for inviting me to the service. I want to thank you for stopping by and giving me some cookies I've taken the liberty to credit young Joshua's PayPal account with $25. It's just a gesture of thankfulness. Now, how is it that we would get that amount credited to Joshua's PayPal account? Because isn't that what it matters? It's good news to receive $25, but it does you no good unless it is in your life. How is it? that you might not miss out on the party today. It's by faith. It's by trusting. You understand now why Jesus has come. He was sent. He was sent not only to proclaim the good news, but he was sent to deliver the good news, to die in your place, to pay the price that you might be free and not experience the consequences and the damage of sin. Wouldn't you today say, I believe this, not only just within my mind, but I want it to be credited to my heart and to my life. I want to put all of my life on this wonderful truth. You want to talk about Christmas blessing lasting all year round. Do that today. Trust in what Jesus has done for you. Would you pray with me as the music team comes? Father, it's been refreshing for us. Among all the lights, all the tinsel, all the ornaments, all the packages and ribbons, to just be able to cut to the heart and say, why was it Jesus came? It's been refreshing to be reminded that he was sent as a part of your ultimate plan to liberate us from our sins, to bind the brokenhearted, to allow our spiritual eyes to see that we would find Jesus as our treasure. And what a wonderful truth to know that it is available to everyone in this room and outside of this room. So friend, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith, placed your life in on this truth, I invite you to do it today. It could be a simple prayer or something like this. God, I understand 
some of that four or five prong effects of sin. I know what it's like to be poor in spirit. I know what it's like to mess up and have guilt filling my life. I know what it's like to be broken as I think back with regret of some of the things I've done in my life. Lord, I don't know what it's like to be bound, like things that I can't get out of. I know what it's like to be indebted and have things that I've done to other people and I feel bad about it and I feel ashamed to be around them. But today I understand that this is why Christ came. That instead of me having to live out and live with the consequences of that sin, Jesus came as my ransom. He paid that. That I could be forgiven. That I could be new. That I could be, well, your son or daughter. And I want that. So by faith, I'm trusting you to save me. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to turn and I want to place my trust, my life in your hands. And walk with me through this, please. Loved ones, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.